Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Today's episode is sponsored by Karen Hallian. Karen Hallian is an incredible illustrator who creates all kinds of whimsical art of our pop culture favorites and some real life heroes. If you go to karenhallian.com, you can find all the places to shop, all the places to follow her online, and a link to my personal favorite, her Patreon. I've been a Patreon supporter for over a year, and my favorite thing is that she sends out coloring book pages of her illustrations, which if, like me, you love de-stressing with a little nerdy coloring, this is the perfect place for you. Head to karenhallian.com to check her out right now. Hey, welcome to the Sartorial Geek Podcast. I'm Jordan Denae, and I am very excited about this new little mini-series of episodes we're running. In the past, we've interviewed a lot of people who like work in different nerdy industries, and the podcast has always sort of been to talk about nerdy things and not so much talk about business stuff. But we've heard from a lot of people who are interested in more of the behind the scenes that you would like to hear those parts of the conversation. So we're trying something new. And for the next, I don't know how many episodes, we're going to do a little nerdy business series talking about all kinds of things. And when this is coming out, it's good timing for anyone who's working retail or like calendar specific jobs. Hopefully this will help you out before the holidays of 2021. Though this year is so bonkers, like I don't know if any of that will even really matter because life is chaos and everything is crazy, which is something that we'll also talk about in these episodes. So today, I'm very excited. We have back Rose Del Vecchio, who you may remember is the co-founder. Is that how you describe yourself? Of Fan Mailbox, which is a subscription service that has done a bunch of different iterations, which we'll talk about, and also Charmed Box of Shadows, which is an officially licensed Charmed subscription that has also had a bunch of iterations. So we'll talk about our businesses. And one of the things that I think will be fun to talk about, which we have mentioned on several panels at conventions that we've done together, is like the behind the scenes slash real life slash work life balance (laughs) slash like (laughs) what we're doing varies pretty drastically. So I'll let you tell your story. And also probably no one listening knows this yet, but I have like my business, Jordan today has gone from something that I did as like an Etsy shop just as a hobby to something I did a little more seriously while I was nannying part time to something I did full time with a partner that kind of helped support us financially to now I'm working full time and doing these things on the side, which is a relatively new thing. So (laughs) I have that level of experience. And then You've also done sort of a similar thing. (laughs) It's always a journey. I feel like anytime, this is one of the things that I think actually could be important on a podcast is other than our panels, I don't super hear a ton of people other than other creators who are having that same balance or freelancers talk 
about these sorts of topics in the same way. But I do at panels typically introduce myself as having a muggle job, have yet to find an alternative that feels good (laughs) that is away from Harry Potter, because I definitely have some feelings about that fandom currently that I'm still sorting through. But for now, so many useful terms that we need to redefine. (laughs) It's really a bummer. So many useful terms that really made their way into, you know, mainstream pop culture. So until I find a better term for now, I started fan mail with Jenny in 2015 with the help of my dad, which is, I think, also an important factor because I would not have known how to do it, except he was also an entrepreneur and had been working almost exclusively full-time. He is also somebody who has worked part-time when necessary, when financially pertinent, as particularly when putting kids through school and everything. And my mom has been the primary breadwinner throughout my life to really financially support the creative projects that he wants to take on. So we started in 2015. I was in grad school at the time, so I was able to devote a little bit more time than I could when I was doing full-time work. But pretty much have any one time had at least one job, mostly full-time, sometimes part-time work, one year, about one year where I was unemployed and had moved to a new city. And as it turns out, I figured out that for me, fan mail functions best when I actually keep it as a hobby. It is something that I like to fit into my schedule. But if I'm just doing it, as I found out the year that I was unemployed, it doesn't happen. And so I think that that's been something that I've been thinking about a lot because I think a lot of the drivers that we see in our communities are the goal is full-time work, right? So the goal is to get your business to a point where the growth is manageable, the growth is exponential, and you're able to tackle your workload and eventually quit your full-time job in order to pursue your creative pursuits full-time. And I don't know that that's everyone's jam. And I don't know that we have a ton of models for how to not do that (laughs) in a way. Yeah, you mentioned this, but I do feel like it's sort of this Like, there's a weird shame around it. I guess I sort of understand. And I think the reason why is, like you said, it seems like the goal is doing it full time. So many of us don't or don't all the time. And like you said, it really is this sort of like, oh, you're also doing this. Okay, now I'll (laughs) tell you my thing. Right, right, right. (laughs) There's a sort of a period where you hit a level of trust with somebody and then you're able to kind of reveal, oh, yeah, I get healthcare benefits from my partner's full-time job or, you know, I worked at Starbucks. So that way I would have the healthcare that I needed in order to survive in our society while also... Or I still work at home or whatever. So to give context, my dad has worked at our local amusement park as a security guard. He's worked the census one year. He recently considered going back to the school district to become a substitute teacher. So it's sort of a never-ending thing that we definitely don't talk about enough on the especially on the con circuit. I feel like you do see a lot more vendors who aren't doing it full-time, but it does feel like the goal is always to go full-time. Yeah, and I think maybe this is the next thing that would be interesting to talk about. It's sometimes is hard to know like I don't know that you can really know what it's like to run your business full time unless you do. You can definitely imagine it or you could do it for like a week or a month or a short time. So I think there is definitely something special about being able to have the opportunity to try it. But then I think there is a balance or there's just figuring out what's right for your life. Like I've been trying to run, you know, Jordan Denae full time for the past year and a half, which it was, you know, a pandemic, which made things interesting, (laughs) but that's a whole other, (laughs) it definitely changed things, but only so much. 
And so, yeah, just the reality of what it actually looks like if you are a person running a business and that's it. Like you mentioned, like that means you're paying out of pocket for healthcare or you don't have it. And that's scary. That means there's no one matching your retirement fund and you maybe don't have one. That means there's possibly no consistent paycheck, which means your emergency fund needs to be like four times the size that it should be if you have a paycheck. So in my experience, I think there's been a flexibility versus stability trade-off. Yeah, I do think that there are moments and there are other, like I said, I think I function better with fan mail as a side hustle. And I think that that allows me the creativity and the stuff that I like to do and create the projects that I want to tackle and bring to fruition. I think the year that I had, and you're right, in a way, I had a way to test it. I had a year off and yeah, I was technically job searching and hoping for full-time employment. But yeah, it really taught me that the structure that I need in order for fan mail to be successful includes not having to worry so much about making enough money to live on. Yeah. And maybe we can talk about that too. There is a tangible difference when you are running your business as a hobby and when you're running it as your full-time job in a bunch of ways. But one is like the what you need out of it changes exponentially too. So like, I think that's something that's maybe important for people to think about if they are figuring this out for themselves. Like what, maybe it's what are your priorities? Because like now I get to go to conventions and sometimes not work at them. And that is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, that's also new for me. Like right before the pandemic was maybe the first time I was going for networking more than anything else and not having a booth and getting used to that idea It's so funny because my business partner, Jenny, comes at it from the total opposite angle where she has always gone to cons for fun and then had to kind of adjust to going to cons for work, which felt like a very different animal. And so when she was like, I want to go to all of these panels, I was like, wow, I usually only choose like one or two things to do because I got to be thinking about profits. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got to be in the booth. (laughs) And even for sales, like you and I both sell physical products. Even that is something I've been thinking about where like profit margins are always important. And also the profit margin that you need when it's your paycheck is different than the profit margin you need when it's your like for fun. And that changes the projects too. Like there are times where projects could have gone differently and been a lot less stressful if I wasn't like, we need this to make this amount of money because I need to pay rent, (laughs) which is like very different than, okay, this sounds fun. But if it's not going to work out, I don't have to like suffer through it. I can just pass. And that's a whole new thing. That's amazing. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the things that I always think about that doesn't get talked about either having done licensed things as well, the thing that no one really talks about with licensed things, especially having an audience that is expecting... I made stuff for Charmed, which has been around for 20 plus years now, but didn't have consistent merch, right? And we don't really ever talk about what it looks like to take on licensing, but you have to pay for your license and you have to meet minimums that you've agreed to in your contract. So any time you take on a licensing project, yes, it is infinitely more exposure for your brand and you're under a lot more restrictions than you would be otherwise in some ways because you have to make numbers, you have to sell a certain amount of merchandise or you end up paying the difference out of pocket. If you don't meet your minimums in your contract, it is on you, the person who is licensing the product. And I think that that doesn't necessarily get talked about enough with fans um, when they wonder why certain products are being made or why only 
only certain companies tackle licensed products. It's because you can be under some pretty intense restrictions and scary ones where if your paycheck is contingent on it, you may not take that licensing option because it's in some ways more tangible and more concrete and in other ways not at all a guarantee. Yeah. And contracts are very different. Like some that are smaller don't have minimums and some have minimums of like six or seven figures, depending on, you know, what I'm not doing contracts like that, but I've heard of them. So like there is a reality where, yeah, if you need to pay, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, whether you sell one thing or not, I mean, that could that is a very different situation to be in. Yeah, it puts you in a different position in terms of being able to take on the project, especially if it's your livelihood, right? So that is some of the reason why I think that you see a lot of small brands work with smaller licenses because virtually just because of the fact that it's more manageable to say my audience is similar to your audience and I'd like to make merch for this thing that I really enjoy. You know, I'm not going to sell 10 million products, but I may sell, you know, a few thousand. So let's talk about what that looks like and how we can work together. And I feel like there isn't a ton of conversation around that in the fan world. There's just a lot of big companies doing licensing and then maybe occasionally a smaller company taking on a pretty large license. But even that's very occasional. And also, like you said, not to scare anyone who maybe is listening who did that, because sometimes it is the thing that catapults you into a big business. So like there are absolutely success stories. And also, it is just a risk that like any risk, there's a potential for a really high payoff and there's a potential for it to be scary. Yeah. And sometimes you just take on a contract and you just do that contract and you don't renew it. You know, I think that's the other thing is that you can choose to take on a project and then you can choose to say, I'm done with that project. And I think that's also maybe where the difference might be is if your business is your livelihood and your paycheck, it can be more difficult to say, well, I need to be taking on projects that maybe aren't as interesting or maybe aren't my first choice simply because I need to make the money and generate the money in order to make it to the next paycheck versus, you know, I've had contracts that I've said, you know what, I think this is the end. I think I'm done with this and I will move on to the next thing. And not everybody gets that opportunity either. Yeah, I think that's a good point because I I think a lot of people think about flexibility where like when you own your own business, it's peak flexibility. And in some ways that's true. Like you can pick things, but I think what we're talking about is sort of just the way you're framing things shift. So in some ways doing your business as a hobby lets you do that business with more flexibility because if you want to take a mental health month, you can. Right. <laughs> and that's fine. Like you still have a paycheck, you still can pay rent. If you want to pivot, you can sometimes if you run your business and that's great. And sometimes you're on track in a way that you kind of can't. Or the sartorial geek was absolutely something that was only possible as a hobby. And like if Liz and I had started this as a, we're both quitting our jobs and trying to do this full time, like it absolutely would be gone already (laughs) because there's just this business structure right now in this time. It's not possible to sustain two human beings off a print magazine and a podcast with the resources that we have, (laughs) which is like not investors. Yeah. Investors. I mean, what a big, scary thing, I think. But yeah, I think one of the other things that I was thinking about as you were talking when you mentioned like taking a mental health month, I think that that's something I actually would love to hear you talk more about given that you are sort of newly figuring out this space of, I okay, I have a paycheck. I have the ability to 
have, and maybe you don't have an answer to this, but have Sartorial Geek be differently shaped and have Jordan Janae be differently shaped. And also we've lived through a continuing pandemic, which certainly has brought taking time for mental health, taking time away from social media. That's been like my biggest thing in the pandemic is like, sometimes I want to be on it all the time and sometimes I don't. And as a business owner, you don't always feel like you have the choice. So I'd love to hear you talk more a little bit about that. Yeah, I literally just did this. I posted on Instagram, I think twice in two weeks, which is maybe the least I've ever posted in my entire life since I (laughs) got it. (laughs) Um, And it was interesting. What I have learned in the past month of really trying to figure this out is what makes me feel good is having fair expectations of myself that I am happy to surpass, but want to like hit that minimum. So that's been really helpful to me where I'm building in some flex room for myself. But like, I don't want to be completely not unstable, but inconsistent. Like I think that's not what I want to do. And I don't think that's helpful. And it's totally fine for people who do just for me. I don't want to like, basically lose the things I've spent the past decade working on. But my expectation for myself is changing where if I send out like one, you know, newsletter a month instead of one a week, and if I post once or twice a week on Instagram instead of three times a day, like I'm figuring out what I have the time for. And then if I can do more, great. Or if I feel motivated, great. But then at least when I have that expectation for myself, I can have peace, I guess, knowing that I'm not messing up. Right, I think that's the right, worst right. thing, like feeling behind. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Like, I feel behind all the time because I don't yeah. like social media <laughs> and that's where everything is right now. <laughs> and I am not saying I'm good at this. Like I had this conversation with myself 50 times in the past two weeks where I was like, I am failing at this. And then I was like, you know what? It's all how I look at it, right? So like there is a version where I can look at this and say, this is failing because it's not what I was doing before. But I can also look at it and say, this is what I told myself I was okay with. So like, I am okay with this. And I actually thought about Robin a lot too, because there was like a day where I was like, I haven't posted on Instagram in five days. I was like, how many conversations? Because Robin from Beat Girl Strong and the three of us talk a lot about businesses and behind the scenes. I was like, what would I say to her? Which is, take a couple of freaking days off of Instagram. This will be fine. So I was like, okay, I need to give myself my own advice, which is if I need to prioritize answering emails over, you know, doing an Instagram live, because that's the backbone of my business where like, maybe this is a better way to say it. I am trying really hard not to let anyone down of things I actually owe them. So I'm trying to like keep up with customer service and actually fulfill on all of the real responsibilities that I have. And so there are things like posting every single day or posting, you know, on a certain day and not two days later, where like sometimes that's a big deal and sometimes it's totally fine. Yeah. I think there's a prioritization that happens. And that's what it sounds like to me is that you're learning, maybe relearning in this moment to prioritize things in a different way than you have in the past when maybe marketing has been more pertinent and up at the front and needing to have that presence online and being able to say, all right, for right now, I'm taking a little bit of a step back to reassess maybe what that looks like is taking the time that I have to address customer concerns very actively and in the moment and be present for them. And then when I get to social media, I get to social media. And that may look different two months from now. That may look different if you have a collection launch. 
but for now, acknowledging that it doesn't need to be this constant content creation machine, I think can be very beneficial. And not something that I think, you know, maybe you would have thought of when you were just doing Jordan and Danae full time. Yeah. And I think that's something interesting too, which you probably can relate to. So I spent a lot of the past couple of years, which... Actually, I spent a lot of the past 10 years, which I kept telling myself, like, this season is almost over and then it never was, kind of throwing everything at the wall, trying everything. And then I was like, cool, there will be a standout success from this. And then I'll focus on that. I never got to the point where I was like, cool, instead of trying 20 things this month, I can just do two because I know they'll work, which I think is part of why this is the path that my life had to take because... I did that for a decade and it was exhausting and it, I never solved it. So I think something that is nice now is that instead of being like, okay, here are all the things I can try. I have to try all of them and then pick the ones that like financially make the most sense. I can look at all the things I've done for the past 10 years and be like, what do I actually want to keep doing? Like interacting with customers is my favorite thing about having a business. So like getting rid of social media is not something I want to do because it's my favorite part, but I can take a break <laughs> if yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, you can take a step back for a minute. <laughs> yeah, and like this podcast is not something that I want to stop doing because these conversations are like one of my favorite things that I get to do, but I'm also not beating myself up if I have to skip a week for whatever reason because it's fine. Like that's not the goal. I think there's some part of, I don't know what machine is telling me this in my head, but like as people who are small businesses who rely a lot on content creation, I think that we get into this mindset that if we're not consistent, then somehow our audience will entirely disappear or people will forget about us and not talk to us anymore and say, oh, you're still doing that thing? You know, and I don't think that's necessarily true. I think the pandemic has definitely taught me that there's never been a more perfect time to kind of sit back and reassess in some ways and say, you know, where do I want to put my energy and what projects am I genuinely excited about? And I think that that's what I'm looking forward to the most about stepping back into convention spaces when it feels good to do so and sort of stepping back into the world that I'm very used to being in. It's definitely exhausting. And I think I didn't realize how exhausted I was until I couldn't go to them anymore. And so really taking a moment to reassess. And some of the things that I think about for my business is what feels like a schedule that's going to keep me and Jenny sustained and happy while also getting to create that community and that sense of community that we miss. And I think that that's going to be the sort of guiding goal going forward, where maybe in the past it was more financial. It was more what is going to take us to the next level and give us a bigger audience. I think the focus now is how do we make our hearts happy um, in this moment? And I know you and I have talked about this recently too, but there kind of isn't a more perfect time to pivot if you want to. Or like if anyone listening you know, had a, a project, whether it was a business or a side business or, you know, an Etsy shop or a blog or a podcast or whatever before the pandemic and then stopped at some point <laughs> or maybe, <laughs> you know, took a step back and sort of, sort of did it and sort of didn't. There is an immense amount of grace from all of us, I think, towards each other right now, which is wonderful. So I think like that's something I sort of had to let myself believe is it's okay and also maybe the best time ever 
to readjust things that would have been really hard to do before. Yeah, yeah, we definitely get stuck in cycles. And I think the one thing that I can say about having a pandemic hit our country is cycles stopped. (laughs) You know, cycles definitely stopped, schedules stopped, both good and bad. And so I think as we take a moment to step back into society, step back into whatever that looks like while we're still trying to take care of each other and ourselves, it really is the best moment to say, how do I pause and make this pause I don't want to say worth it because that makes me think that, you know, just surviving the last year and a half was worth it, right? So just surviving the last year and a half was absolutely worth it, even if all you did was, you know, take care of yourself and make it here to this moment, listening to this podcast. So I don't know, I don't quite have the words, but I do see it as a moment of, you know, I'm certainly personally have spent a lot of time in my head reassessing what I think and what I think of myself and what I think I want to do and kind of go from there. And you brought up something really important about cycles and related to what we were talking about earlier. I think that there is, again, this weird like shame or embarrassment or something about stepping back because the goal is always supposed to be bigger and better. And I mean, I've noticed it too. Like there are times where I... I'll admit like I go to shows and then I'm like, oh, I don't see this person around anymore. And immediately it's like... I have a lot of questions like what happened what happened to their business <laughs> right. and that is, it is none of my business. And I had that thought about myself too, where I was like, okay, I'm really going to have to adjust my convention schedule because I used to do, you know, one or two a month or like 10 a year. And now I have a job. So I'm probably going <laughs> to do like two or three a year is my guess. And that would have been really hard. And like, I mean, honestly, embarrassing if I'm being completely fair, because like everyone, you know, asks where you are and having to say like, I can't do these anymore isn't fun, but also it is sort of, it's all framing, right? So like, it's empowering to be able to say my life has changed in a way that this is what's best for me. And that actually does make me really happy. And also again, (laughs) there is no better time to do a complete in that cycle because like there are a zillion reasons why people aren't going back to conventions right now just to use that as like our industry example but anything even like you know brands started spending a lot less on marketing or a lot less on photo shoots and doing a lot more DIY stuff in a world where that could have been seen as like a downgrade which I wish it wouldn't but we all got this past that's like, yeah, we're all toughing it now. <laughs> so yeah, like, I we're hope, all figuring it out. <laughs> yeah, I hope a version of that stays where people feel confident and comfortable making the decisions that are right for them. And, you know, maybe we mind our own business a little more and maybe we don't care. What right, look like right. Maybe more. we let people be and yeah. we, we stay curious in our heads and maybe not out loud. Because <laughs> I think that's a problem. You know, curiosity is always going to happen. But yeah, I think the other thing that I think about specifically industry specific and conventions is sometimes I think average con goers might forget how much time goes into setup and breakdown oh and getting your stuff God. there and getting your stuff home and all of that. where your presence as a vendor at a con is never a simple yes. Fan mail did vend a lot more heavily our first couple of years before I realized it just really wasn't worth breaking even in order to go to shows. You know, I think people still ask us to go places and be there. An amount of that we can do on panels and networking and just saying hi and having meetups versus, you know, being vendors. 
But I definitely wonder what that will look like for us in the future, because there is something special about being a vendor too, and having that experience and having people come visit you. And so reconciling those two things can be really, really difficult when you do have a full-time job and can't take off. You know, if you're going to a Thursday to Sunday show, that's actually possibly Tuesday to Monday (laughs) experience. (laughs) And then like, imagine working the day. I mean, people do it all the time. And you go back the day after. after. Yes. You go back the day after. There's very rarely a moment where you can say, oh, and I let me take that extra day. Yeah. 100%. And also, this is not going to be everyone's experience, but I just remembered when we were talking like with the last one of the last conventions we went to together was Dragon Con two years ago, where I paid a lot of money to ship all my stuff there. And then it all just straight up was going to be delivered the day after the show ended. And it was like, oh my God, I had completely forgotten. I forgot until it's coming up again. And I was looking through pictures and I was like, the last one we did was when I like, oh man, thank God you were there. It was awful. And again, thankfully I was in a situation where like I wasn't counting on that convention to pay my rent the next month or I would have been a mess because anything like that can just happen. It was kind of my fault, but not really. Is that the show where I ended up having merch to bring from a different show for you? Yeah. So it was, okay. I think I <laughs> had shipped right. like seven boxes and like two came and it's a Labor Day show. And so the other ones were scheduled to come like the Tuesday after Labor Day. And so I had a bunch of like whatever was just in my apartment was overnighted to me. You brought stuff from like a previous convention. Yeah, I had some stuff that you did in Boston and I still had like a couple boxes. So I stuffed it all into a suitcase. And then we ended up just kind of telling other local people, like some of our author friends just set up like a bookshop in my yeah. book because there yeah, was if nothing you there. By, <laughs> If you stopped by Dragon Con in 2019, yeah, now you know wild. why our setup was the way it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And again, like it was traumatic in some ways, but also it was fine. Like I cried and then it was okay. We made the best of it. But that is very, very different than when you need it. Right. I imagine if to vend at a show and not have your stuff is the nightmare for sure. Uh, whether or not your paycheck is. Yeah. yeah right. But if your paycheck <laughs> is contingent, I can't pay for the next show if I don't make enough here is a whole other ball game for sure. And that is a real life situation that many, many vendors are in and it is stressful, stressful, stressful. So, you know, just a reminder to be kind to your vendors when you're going through because who knows? Yeah. I'm excited. I think we're going to be dipping a toe back into the con circuit in some ways, if not this year, but next year. And I'm excited to see everyone's faces and really excited to, yeah, just really see what that world looks like now and how we can all remain connected to each other. Yeah. And I'm curious too, we'll see what happens. Like, I don't think we need to speculate, but there have been virtual conventions. And then like we've been talking about, you and I are going to be vending less. So like, what does that look like? And we'll have to come up with some interesting ways to still do the things we love about conventions, which is like, maybe conventions are just back-to-back meetups, which honestly sounds amazing. So that, like, maybe honestly, we I would up. be down, you know? Yeah, maybe that's how yeah. we move in, in the future. But yeah, I hope anyone who is listening who is in any of the situations that we've talked about before, maybe just feels a little less alone. And if you feel any type of like, whatever your situation is, is somehow not valid or not good enough or whatever, just 
I guess. Or that you're not making it. I feel like I definitely wondered at points, you know, um, am I doing this wrong? Because I'm not going for full time. I'm not looking for fan mail to make my salary every year. Is that the wrong thing? Sort of what you said earlier. Sometimes you get to try it and you learn that it's not the right thing for you. So don't be afraid to try it. But at the end of the day, you have to do what's best for you and what feels best for you to make something sustainable. And also, I think it's totally valid to be in the situation that I'm in, which is like, it would have been amazing if I had tried to do it full time and I was like pulling in six figures and life was great. Like that would have been a sweet life. (laughs) It just is not (laughs) what happens. And I think it's okay to say like, it would have been a very different experience if everything I had tried worked. And the reality is that everything I tried didn't work. And so this is the version of it that works for me. And I think a similar thing to you, like it would be great if you were super, super productive and you just like need the structure of other things. And that is a super valid <laughs> situation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It turns out I'm very unproductive when I don't have other things happening that require me to, I don't want to say report to someone, but I do much better with a little bit of external pressure. <laughs> you are not the only human being who feels yeah. that way. So yeah. that's also you. You're not alone and you're not doing it wrong. Like that is a completely, completely valid way to live. I don't want to offer this for you, but I think I can. That if anyone wants to talk to either of us about our experiences or if you have questions, we're pretty available. I mean, especially I will say while it's still pandemic y, like I might not answer right away, but I am. We'll get uh, there. You know yeah. what I mean? If, <laughs> if the message is there, we'll sit in our little co-working channel and answer you. I promise at some point. Yeah. So if you have any questions about what we're doing or what we have done or want to just brainstorm your options with other people who have maybe been in a similar situation, we're happy to. And thanks, Rose, for kicking us off. This has been lovely. I'm excited to hear further conversations with other people and see what they have to say. Yeah. I didn't do a great job of pitching you as we just talked about doing our businesses part-time, but like (laughs) they're still there. So if you want to tell people where to follow you. Yeah. So um, we are actually speaking of like calendars and marketing and all that good stuff. I am fingers crossed. Don't hold me to it because I may change my mind. Hopefully going to do... Because you can, because you have a flexible part-time job. (laughs) (laughs) We want to do a couple of small projects in Q4, which for the average person is October to December 2021. And then hopefully have have a little bit of a consistent schedule heading into 2022 for fan mail. Don't know what kind of projects just yet. So stay tuned for those. But you can find us on the internet at myfanmail.com, M-A-I-L, or fanmailbox, F-A-N-M-A-I-L, B-O-X. And then from there, yeah, if you message me on there, I'll see it. I promise. I'll answer. Thank you so much, Rose. This has been so lovely. And thank you all for listening. And I hope you have a really good week. And that's it. Thank you so much for listening to our episode. If you want to hear more like this, you can subscribe to the Sartorial Geek Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to help us out, you can leave us a rating or a review or head to patreon.com slash sartorialgeek. Thank you so much. Have a great day.